Merry Christmas. We hope your preparations are going well. Tree is up. Lights are up. Presents are bought. Cookies are eaten. Craziness is going on. You know, I can't think of a better presence than the one I'm receiving right now. Oh, boy. Being able to do this podcast with you, Ben, and in this special place that we call the Catalano Cave. There you go. For now, we're calling it the Cat Cave. And thank you, <laughs> Anthony, very much for really loving that very much. Thank you, Anthony. Well, are we ever going to change the name on the sign? Because it's been about nine months and it's still the mother's. Um, Anthony, it, there's little baby steps and we've already given you a cave. <laughs> At some point, we will put that on there. Although if we put the Catalano Cave on the sign in the church building, that may not go over well. Maybe we just will put recording room. Is that all right, Anthony? <laughs> Anthony, if it makes you feel better, I still don't have a name above my office like everybody else. So Yeah, well, you're still in the perpetual vicar <laughs> stage. That's right. Do you have a picture on the website? <laughs> or on the wall? Anyway, let's get talking about Christmas myths. Yeah, there's a lot more people just added to my naughty list right now. <laughs> no, we want to talk about in this episode um, some of the myths around Christmas. We're going to be looking at seven of them. Uh, but first, we want to thank all of you for listening to our podcast, especially at this time of year. We're so thankful. Uh, Tiffany R. says uh, she highly recommends the podcast. Thank you for sharing the truth in love and equipping us to do the same. Thank you, Tiffany, for sharing your thoughts. We love that feedback. Uh, that helps us to make the podcast better. So keep leaving that on our social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram. You can leave it on Apple Podcasts and leave feedback, leave questions. You can email us at info at org. But Let's get into some of these myths. We don't have them in any particular order, John, but you're going to enlighten us. Help us to see. I don't know that I'm going to enlighten you, but separate I'm sure we can talk about chaff. the myths out there. That's for sure. All right. Let's start with this one, that Jesus was born on December 25th. Well, even a person who isn't associated with a Christian worldview likely knows that that probably wasn't the case or wasn't the case. The, the speculation of Jesus' birth has been for some time. It dates back probably to the third century. Some uh, some people claim that it was the uh, on the 25th, some kind of observance for a Roman practice. A lot of people look at uh, the time uh, in the 348 to 380s time in uh, A.D., where it kind of officially became recognized as part of the, the Christian calendar. Many people say to coincide with you, what you and I would call pagan festivals at that time, the Saturn, uh, Saturnalia yeah. was one, and the winter solstice. So it's like they, the Christians decided to take some of those pagan festivals, and then they just eventually reinterpreted them and, and some of the symbols associated with them in actions and made them acceptable for Christian practice and, and faith. But the 25th has become more and more acceptable over the years since then for the celebration of the date of Jesus' birth. It, it's very likely he wasn't born in Probably. December. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, everything that I've ever been told says that, you know, first of all, it's too cold for the shepherds to be out watching their flocks at night. History kind of proves. I, I, I don't know exactly how that all works, but... Um, I don't think it was the 25th. Some will suggest it was probably the spring. Yeah, I've heard the spring too. So yeah. regardless of what day you choose, and Scripture finally doesn't tell us that right, day. Right, And that's all right. It tells us why he came and that he came, and yep. those are enough for us and for our salvation. But as far as what exact day, who knows? But we've now used the 25th, and it's not a bad thing to celebrate. I just wish more people today, especially in our culture, that has become post-Christian and post-truth would understand it, which gives us as Christians, an opportunity to really let people know the real meaning of the season, because as much as I'd like to say, hey, don't you see Christ in the word? They don't. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. And I think <clears throat> I've heard somebody say that he's got a, the 25th of December has a one in 365 chance of 
being the right date. <laughs> As for people who aren't really good at math, <laughs> yeah. I guess that works. But I, you know, again, I, I don't, I, today it's just been so commercialized that it's lost its, I think it's lost its impact. And yet people, even if they're not religious or spiritual, they still hold it as a, an important date, a very important date. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the commercialization because the second myth I'd like to talk about, and I don't really know exactly how to put this, um, but talking about the idea of Santa Claus. It's a warning to everyone listening with their kids in the in the car <laughs> who haven't talked to their kids about Santa Claus. We'll be starting to talk about the real Santa Claus in five, four, three, two, one. And we right. just lost everybody. And then the, the <laughs> headphones are on the kids now. Parents, you can continue to listen. So let's talk about Santa Claus. What is, what's the reality behind Santa Claus? Um, what, I think there's a lot of commercialization around him, right? Uh, what Based on an article written, what is in the early uh, 20th century, just a little before then. Uh, but the idea is that uh, there was a Christian man named St. Nicholas. And I thank my parents for teaching me about that. The, but I got to go back a little. M- my parents taught me about Santa Claus and the Easter bunny and the tooth fairy and all that. Now, you know, I lived you in South Central okay. Los Angeles. No, no, no. That's, <laughs> that's up for debate. But <laughs> South Central Los Angeles during this time. And I never really believed in the tooth fairy because I was a light sleeper and I'd always wake up when my mom was putting the quarter, only a quarter, mom, thanks a yeah, lot, yeah. for one of my teeth. And I, I just didn't ever believe in that Easter bunny that there's some large bunny that's hopping around my neighborhood, especially my neighborhood, leaving <laughs> colored eggs. And somehow he got in my house and he's supposed to be like six foot tall. Yeah. He would have been blown away at some point. But Santa, I believed in and my parents really went all out. I mean, we, we opened presents on Christmas morning. That was yeah. our custom. And so we'd never sleep. We'd, we'd go to bed at, they'd get us to bed at eight. Yeah. You know, hopped up on sugar so and they could, candy. So they could go ahead and put together all of the gifts okay. is what my dad did. Then he did all the cookies we left and we'd always put sugar out for the reindeer and everything else. Well, they can't land on our roof because, <laughs> you know, our roof didn't, it didn't allow a sleigh on it. And we really didn't have a fireplace in LA. So my dad said, <laughs> my dad. And I remember, I think I'm like eight when I asked him this or seven. He go, I go, well, what, how's Santa going to get in, Dad? We're going to leave the front door open. Dad, we can't leave the front door open. Anybody, <laughs> anybody will walk in. Some bad elves will walk in at some <laughs> yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, he, that's what he told us. And he said, no, not on Christmas because the police will be around. I said, no, I don't know if that's going to work, but okay. And so we go to bed and then in the morning, we get up and it's just be so many presents because my parents were really overkill because yeah. they grew up pretty in poor families. And yeah. so they... They compensated, you know, compensated yeah, a great yeah. deal. And they usually bought toys that they could play with as opposed to <laughs> age appropriate for their sons. But anyways, we go outside and we see these sleigh marks my dad would make in the yard. No way. Yeah. Oh, and in the goodness. driveway, like he landed here, son. See that? We would buy it hook, line, and sinker until yeah. one day, I think in seven and eight, he tells me that there's no Santa. Cried my yeah. eyes out. I yeah. just cried my eyes out. But then he told me about the real St. Nicholas of, of Myra. And that's a guy who lived in the fourth century AD. Um, as far as I know, maybe you know this too, he was born to Christian parents and they left him an inheritance when he died or something like that, which he distributed to the poor for the most part. He became a priest at a young age and was pretty well known for his compassion and generosity. At least that's everything I've read mm-hmm. tells me that. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a reputation for giving gifts anonymously and he would leave bags of money in people's homes. Sometimes I guess he sent them down the chimney. I also read that he would throw them <laughs> through open windows. I'm not really sure that was the case. I don't know. Under the cover of night. Okay. So he wouldn't be spotted. Uh, now, uh, apparently, uh, maybe you can check this out on the Google machine because yeah, Google's yeah. always correct. <laughs> uh, Nicholas passed away on December 6th, sometime in the, I think, 340s, oh, is that where 350s. Saint Nick's Day Saint Nick's comes, Day comes from. from. Yeah, yeah. And so that annual feast was children would uh, put out food for Nicholas and straw for his donkey. 
<laughs> which I've never, I've never known before either. But not quite a red-nosed reindeer. No, not not quite. But I think that's where Rudolph comes in, then, right? And uh, so it was said that the the saint would come down from heaven during the the night and replace like offerings with toys and treats. So the kids aren't really given because they really like Saint Nick and all that he did. Now it's a quid pro quo. Yeah. Gosh, that's a, there's the Latin phrase people have learned. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now in our American culture. But uh, only for good boys and girls. No, yeah. I don't know what what what. Saint but Nick he, didn't take money from bad. No, no, boys I don't and think girls. he was in a post truth culture. But I'm sure he was making up <laughs> his own truth most of the time. So that that whole legend of Saint Nick came about and was then inspired the jolly red suited gift giver known as Santa Claus today. Although uh, everything I've read tells me Saint Nicholas he wore red at least he allegedly did and uh, to represent the blood of Christ that washes okay. us from our sins and the white collar would be uh, the forgiveness we have in Jesus and. But I doubt that he was jolly, and I'm pretty sure he probably fasted some, so he yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. he wasn't filling that big red coat yeah. out. So <laughs> I don't know. Growing up as a pastor's kid, did you ever have to go through any plays, or do you got little kids? Are you going to let yeah. your kids know about Santa too? Because uh, I you're, didn't. You're pouring salt in a wound here, John. We're in the middle of trying to figure that out because for the first time, our three year old's kind of old enough for to get that kind of stuff. So what are we going to do? My, we, my we, wife and I grew up in very different backgrounds. I'll, I'll leave it to the listeners to figure out who had Santa and who didn't. Yeah, we, we didn't have Santa. Unfortunately, I had sons that have no tact. And so <laughs> I remember my son, my second son, who remained nameless. Yeah. But it's after an Old Testament prophet that begins with the word Mike. Um, and he, rhymes uh, with Ka. Ka, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he blurted out to his kindergarten class. When it was Santa, you know Santa's not real. It's your yeah. parents. Yeah. You guys are just getting fooled. Yeah. Listen, you're going to believe in Santa and the Tooth Fairy too. Jesus <laughs> is real. Santa's not. Something like that. And I thought it's a pretty bold proclamation of truth. Probably the most, not the most tactful. And that's a <laughs> skill he still has, not being tactful, but really smart, but not say, tactful. That doesn't sound it, like it's changed. Yeah, much it hasn't changed at all. But so you know, you have to. Parents have to really take a look at that and yeah. see how they're doing. I'm not saying it's right or wrong necessarily. I'm just I'm thinking. I'd rather teach my kids about St. Nicholas. Yeah. Well, we, the things that we wrestle with are if um, if somebody, if we teach that Santa is real and then he finds out he's not, does that mean that he's going to think Jesus isn't real? We talk about all those conversations. My wife is terrified that he's going to be the kid in the kindergarten class that ruins it for everybody else. And Well, tell her that's already been done here. So <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't have to worry about that. That precedent's already been yeah, That's already I history. Guess. I guess. Yes. <laughs> so we, I mean, we do a little advent calendar Advent wreath where we do, or the Advent calendar where we read devotions, uh, kind of leading the gospel promises. I I don't know. I'd, Ask me again in ten years, and we'll yeah, I'll let you know. Deal. <laughs> deal. Yeah. All right. So that's Santa Claus, Saint Nick. Uh, let's talk about. I know there's a pet peeve of yours. Oh, I know what you're the, gonna talk about already. Yeah. The the we three kings of Orient are. Yes. Let me see. Melchior, Belshazzar. I think no, Balthazar. And Casper? No, yeah, that, yeah. that's a ghost, I think. Or is it, no, Casper? I, is it Casper? I, I think it oh, is Casper. Oh, it's Casper. All right. Let me My Google point that for is, you. Everyone has them at their crush scenes, their manger scenes. People, they weren't there. Read your Bible, right? They come to the house where they find the child when they finally find him. It's it's after Jesus is born. They have to travel. The star appears at Jesus' birth. They, Gaspar. They, they, yeah, Gaspar. Gaspar, thank you. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's. They weren't there, and there weren't. There's no indication that there were three of them, three different gifts. Yeah, three gave. gifts. Okay, yeah. that's marvelous. And there weren't three guys where two looked like they were Northern European Germans, <laughs> where they had blue eyes and high cheekbones, and one guy was obviously from Ethiopia. Yeah, yeah. Remember, they're coming from the east. Ethiopia is from the south. They're likely all people of 
olive skin or, or mm-hmm. a little, like think of Iranian. Yeah. Right. That yeah. kind of really nice skin tone all the time. So, and they were, and the, the thing is, is that they don't come at the time of Jesus' birth. They come where they found the child yeah. in his house. That's important. They come from a place we would call Parthia. Most people ask, well, okay, who were they? Yeah. Well, the wise men or magi were kingmakers or uh, they were the advisors to kings. Yeah. There's a lot of history, and you can read it for yourself, that um, they did a lot in the Persian and the Medes. Mm-hmm. And it's likely they learned of the prophecies of the Savior from Daniel, because mm-hmm. Daniel was one of those wise yep. men yep. In, in Persia and Babylon and would have obviously shared his faith in, in the scriptures back then as well. And there's most people believe they have to take a side. That's where these men learned. Now, they were kind of eclectic in the sense they're monotheistic. They believe there was one God, but they were very much into mixing the occult in and astrology yeah, and astronomy. Yeah. And, yeah. and sacrifices and blood sacrifices, and they had all sorts of things they were doing. Well, they, they see the stars, and somehow they, they head over. And what's interesting is we often have them riding camels. It's very likely they're Persians. They're riding horses. horses. They may yeah. have used camels as pack animals, yeah. as so many yeah. people did. Yeah. But the Persians were known for their steeds. Yeah. And they would have been quite a sight as they ride up to King Herod. People know kind of the backdrop that King Herod was a paranoid leader. Yep. He loved the title of King, Herod, crazy. King of Judea. Yeah. He would kill his own people. In fact, I think he killed a brother-in-law. I think down... he killed his son and a oh, wife. Yeah, and he and killed, like, I think yeah. a brother-in-law planned in a pool down in Jericho, which was like the Palm Springs of their day, and just was roughhousing. And, oh, look, I'm sorry. I held him underwater too long or in one of those yeah. cities. Yeah. He was just a crazy man. And the people knew whenever Herod got worried about his title, or his throne, people he would died. indiscriminately kill people. <laughs> uh, so they, they didn't like that at all. So yeah. what happens? His army is taking care of the census. So his little army is out. The The wise men ride in. Mm-hmm. And it's likely they were pretty ornate with the pointed hats mm-hmm. uh, and uh, maybe some uh, cloaks. It's very likely since they're riding into a territory that's not their own, they're armed. They have maybe yeah. 50 to 100 armed yeah. horsemen with them. Oh, they've got and, expensive gifts. They it would be, protect those yeah, it would be more than just yeah. three guys. So let's say it's six or seven and they have 50 each or 100 each. You get six, 700 people riding yeah. in. Yeah. What's the first question they ask a paranoid king? <laughs> hey, where's the new king? The new king of the Jews? Well, yeah. Herod panics because his, his little army is out of town and he sees this new army right in and he's all paranoid. And they have a special start. Obviously, they don't know exactly where Jesus is because they're asking yeah, for directions. Yeah. And they didn't have like your app on your phone. Yeah. So they couldn't, they couldn't find him. And so he panics. And that's why the Bible says, and Herod was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Yeah. That's the word agitated where the where in a washing machine it agitates. Yeah. So they knew people died when Herod got nervous. So my point is, friends, do not put the wise men next to the major scene. I come into your house. People tell you this. I take the wise men. I take them, find out where the east is in your house, and I put them on a shelf. They're still <laughs> on their way. Okay? Yeah. Um, and uh, w- what else do I often do? Except if I see some of these crush scenes, like my wife at our church here, the, as the receptionist and the, the director of the food pantry, has a crush scene, but she's got the wise men there. But here's her, her's excuse. Well, look at Jesus in the manger. He's not baby Jesus. He's like toddler <laughs> Jesus. He's like three or four. Yeah. If, yeah. He, if he straightened out his legs, he'd be almost the size of Mary. Yeah. So we have one of those where you got Mary and Joseph and that huge Jesus on growth hormones. So he, he's toddler Jesus. So if you got a toddler Jesus one, you can put the wise men there because they were there. 37 pound, yeah. <laughs> two ounce baby <laughs> yeah. Jesus. <laughs> I think this Jesus is walking. is probably learning to throw at this point, the one she's got. So again, is, is it a big deal? No, but it just adds to the myth and misunderstanding and myth yeah. information out yeah. there today. So don't put them there. It wasn't three kings and they recognized something that we need to recognize, Jesus, that Jesus was very special. Yeah. And I think, because <laughs> that's the interesting thing. We go back to the date. Uh, I know some people from, they're originally from Northern Europe. 
And they celebrate January 6th as the yeah. the Christmas for the Gentiles because that's when the Magi came. That's when we celebrate the arrival of the Magi. Sure. And remember, Jesus Christmas. can be up to two years of age yep. because when Herod wants to wipe out what he considers to be a threat to his throne, he orders all the babies in Bethlehem boys, two years old and under, to be wiped out. And maybe he's just hedging his bet. Maybe it was only a year, but he didn't want to take any chances. So he takes, you know, so Jesus could have been yeah, yeah. six months to two years by the time the Magi yeah. actually show up. Yeah. All right, that helps helps us think through our, our manger scenes at home. Uh, if you invite Pastor Parlo over, make sure that your Magi are already moved. They're not anywhere on site. They're traveling towards the manger scene. And they're on horses. <laughs> Don't put them on camels. Get rid of that. Go to Walmart or Hobby Lobby, get some horses, just tape them on or glue them on. Is that Gorilla Glue now? It works great. Oh, there you go. Super glue. There you go. All right, um, how about this one, that Jesus' birth is really a repackaging of older myths about Mithras? Is that what it is? Mithras. Mithras. Oh, you'll hear a whole bunch of them out there. Um, some say it's it's really Mithras, uh, uh, and the whole idea of uh, the myth, I think it's Mithraic cults, existed in the 1st through the 4th centuries AD among the Romans, especially the Roman soldiers. Uh, it was taught that, you know, people say today, and I've read this online, people say, well, Mithras, we just stole it from Mithras. He yeah, had 12 yeah. disciples. He was born of a virgin. He shared a meal of his body and blood with others as well. And what's really true is when you study it, he's actually born, allegedly, Mithras. from a rock. <laughs> he has two companions, not 12 followers or disciples. In the flesh, he gives people to eat at his supper. Is not the flesh of his body, but that of a bull. And he shares it with the Son God. You got a whole bunch of other ones. You've got one that says uh, some um, Nordic gods started that, but by the time his myth and tradition comes around, he had like 150 different popes in the Christian Church at that time. You have others say that it's a Mayan god, but uh, that that was long, long after. So it's just been made up and it's just an excuse that a lot of people use. In fact, even some atheists today will kind of point to that, including Bill Maher once well, okay. point to some of these and say, yeah, you're just you're just reinventing yeah, some cultic thing. And it's else, amazing yeah. where you can just take a look and see, well, that's not true. And yet they always demand that scripture isn't true and it's not verified, which it is. Uh, it, just, it just kills me. So you have that. Um, the truth is, Christians were already celebrating the virgin birth long before you had Mithros and his cults and the others even existed. Yeah, so yeah. just just don't believe it. Just do your own study. You'll see that to be the case. Yeah, I think there's a lot of connections. People try to make, you know, they'll say Osiris for his death and da, 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 on down the line. And, and uh, I think it's worth for the Jesus follower to actually chase those down. Uh, even a, a quick Wikipedia search, and you see the claims well, versus reality. Right. And you have the totally Saturnalia different. too. Yeah, right? you yeah, that yeah. One. Let's let's talk about that. Which that, is usually the one that's most often brought up about yeah, the twenty fifth of December, or Sol Invictus, or whatever. Right. Uh, that the twenty fifth was a different holiday, and Christians tried to they just co opted the holiday. People say the same thing about Easter. That Easter is really just a fertility celebration that we take into Christianity or take in the resurrection. So, what does a person say? You know. To, to somebody who critiques and says, oh, it's just Saturnalia, different style. You do the same things. You have a tree, you have well, the but, evergreen but boughs. Not all like of that. those things. I mean, if you take a look at your history, you will note that Saturnalia was like a week-long, I believe, a Roman festival honoring the god Saturn. Saturn right? yeah. Since it started around December 17th, it usually fell within what we call the Christmas season. Interestingly, uh, historical accounts differ whether Saturnalia celebrations were examples of debauchery. Mm -hmm. Do you know that? Or the opposite. Charity. Some accounts mention rich paying for the poor, masters and slaves exchanging clothing, and, and 
other things like that, really nice things. Yet, for most of the history, debauchery seems to be the dominant celebrations of the holiday. Which <laughs> well, is, it's Rome Which is e- exactly, yeah, Rome and our sinful nature. In <laughs> fact, uh, the word uh, Saturnalia became synonymous with immorality and carousing. To, like, to modernize today, I would say um, some Saturnalia customs come across as hedonistic perversions of Christian traditions. Okay. For example, singing from house to house, they would do that naked. Oh, okay. Well, isn't is that nice? Really tough. And um, hi, it's minus yeah, 18. Green Bay. Don't answer the door. <laughs> right. uh, feasting excessively. You just asked for encores. Yeah. <laughs> Can you sing the other, all 16 stanzas? Yeah. Uh, feasting excessively, eating baked goods shaped like people. I've never heard that. Oh, I mean like gingerbread men. Yeah. Oh, and okay. exchanging body gifts. In reality, there's some historical evidence suggesting that these uh, events were kind of reformed or absorbed or transformed over time as a result of Christian popularity taking over Saturnalia. So Christians may have redeemed portions of the celebration. But the point is, regardless where it came from, we have just chosen to celebrate the fact that God kept his promise and sent the Messiah, and that's the day we celebrate it. Yeah. All right. So help us think through... I think we've kind of had this picture away in a manger, Jesus was born in like a barn or like a cave, a cave. or <clears throat> what What was Something Jesus in the wilderness in? and yeah. then around it was uh, some brush to make sure you protected and was kind of like a makeshift uh, fence made yeah. with brush around well, you. What was Jesus born in? Well, I, I don't know. I wasn't there, Ben, but uh, <laughs> I can tell you what really smart people believe to be the truth. Um, obviously, because the crowds had come to Bethlehem for the census. There was no room in the inn for Mary and Joseph. You and I learned that as kids, making sure you recited that correctly. Uh, While tradition, for the most part, says an inn is kind of a hotel or or motel, we don't know that for sure. In fact, the the Greek word is kataluma. There's the the Greek word for you for this time, for this podcast, kataluma, which can be translated, can be translated guest room. The fact has led many people to believe that Jesus wasn't really born in a stable or barn as we think of it, but in a house with a lower floor that served as a nighttime shelter for the animals. What archaeologists tell us is that many of the average homes in Jesus' day were two stories in a sense. The first floor is where you did your cooking, and that way the heat rose, uh, to the second floor, which was your upper room where you slept and you entertained and you ate. Uh, but on the first floor, you would also pull your animals in at night. Yeah. And so there very likely was a manger yeah. in there as well. And then your patio was your rooftop. And usually there were stairs on the outside of your building that would lead you up to there. Okay. And that's why when Jesus in his ministry at one time says, from your rooftops, shout my message. Yeah. Well, that's the way you talk to your neighbors. You got yeah. on your roof and said, hey, what's going on? He's on <laughs> he or she be on theirs over there. Yeah. So it's likely, very likely, Jesus... Wasn't he was in a place where there were animals? Yeah, where the animals yeah. were pulled in. So yeah, there were, but animals. not on the outside of town. And uh, more than likely, not <laughs> on the cave. outside of town, right? And there was no, you know, drummer boy, and oh. obviously the wise men weren't. I'm there. still singing that song. It's one of my favorite Christmas yeah, that's songs. That's great, wonderful. <laughs> in any case, the point is, Jesus is born that night. He's he's in a place where they're keeping animals. And after he's delivered, Mary wraps him up in cloths and places him in a feeding trough, really. Okay. A, a manger, probably made out of uh, rock. Okay. Some, similar to rock. Uh, later that night, you know, the shepherds in the fields are told by the angels. So that's is what, what scripture tells us. It yeah. doesn't give us all the details, but it, it does tell us that he's born and it's likely in a place where there were animals And as to well. be clear, to connect this with uh, we three kings that weren't kings, the shepherds did not follow a star. No, they did not. They followed the direction of the angels. Yeah, the angels are really good. They're, yeah. They were the first Google map. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Turn right at the yeah, turn landmark. Right. Yeah, turn right at the <laughs> diner. <laughs> 300 feet, turn right. Anyway, <laughs> um, okay, so probably in a, most likely, I think I've seen a lot of scholars now agree that it's like a lower level of a house, 
where the animals were. Um, so manger still, animals still, but not even our creches are kind of our, our nativity scenes are probably not exactly what. Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. And yet it, it does a good job of making sure we can help people understand here the king of heaven yeah. comes down to become man, uh, to live and die for us. And he starts his process by what? Being born in the same place with dirty animals. Yeah. Not where people would have been. Not, I mean, you would think he's the king of heaven, come down mm-hmm. with the trumpet, da 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 da, I'm here. Yeah. Right? Chariots. No, he comes down born of a virgin and born to take our place. So, I mean, that, that's. Awesome, awesome message of Christmas. Right. Now help us with, uh, if we talked about the day of the year, let's talk about the year. That's, you know, you and I BC both know. Before, before Christ, Christ or and... before Common Era, if you want to do the BCE, yeah. after Common Era, AD, like zero has been or was at one point. Uh, I think when Jesus was born. Yeah, I don't know if it was the ever zero. We don't have a lot of details, but the chronological uh, information we have tells us, gives us some insights. Over the years, I've seen this shift, yeah, even in I my own too. ministry. Um, Matthew, for example, Matthew 2, tells us Jesus is born in the days of King Herod. Now, since Herod dies in 4 BC, mm. we have that parameter to work with. That's what some will suggest. Further, after um, Mary and Joseph fled to Bethlehem with Jesus, Herod ordered all the little two-year-old boys to, you know, yeah, yeah. be killed in the vicinity. That indicates Jesus could have been as old as two years old when Herod dies. Mm-hmm. So that places the date of his birth, some would say, between 6 and 4 okay. BC. Some would say that. Uh, others point to Luke chapter 2. At the ponder, it says, In those days went out the Caesar's dec- uh, decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should register. This was the first registration of Quirinius underneath the governor of Syria. Now, we know that Caesar Augustus reigned from 27 B.C. to A.D. 14. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, and Quirinius was governor of Syria during that same time period, which tells us that the census in Judea was approximately 6 B.C. Now, some scholars debate whether this is the census mentioned by Luke, but it does appear to be the same event uh, based on historic details. I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I'm not going to argue about the date, but somewhere of uh, 6, 5 B.C., you've got others that will point to that uh, when Jesus began his ministry, he was about 30 years of age. Mm-hmm. So you've got a lot in the brain of Pontius Pilate. You've got a lot of other people as well. And so the only time period that really fits those facts of when Jesus begins his ministry is about AD 27 to 29. If Jesus is around 30 years of age at age 27, that would put his birth sometime between 6 and 4 BC. Yeah. And so that's yeah. that's what I've seen most often when I've actually studied the subject. But, you know, it, it, it could have shifted. When I think to... We're trying to satisfy our timing. The way Luke records it in those days, Caesar Augustus should decree the census should be taken. That satisfied the first century worlds. They would have known exactly when that was. The people who first read Luke would have known Theophilus, for whom that book was sure. written, would sure. have known instantly exactly the date. And even if we don't have all the information that he had, even if it doesn't satisfy our dating system, that doesn't mean it's not a precise it, it's kind of missing the point, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, they, they said he was going to come, and he did. He came, and he did, and there's yeah. real historical evidence presented. This is not a once upon a time thing, and that's why Luke, in his, his great detail as a physician, tells us he does the mile markers instead of saying it's this calendar day. Yeah. Here's who's reigning yep. in this province in this area, which is very typical of that yep. day as a mile marker when it comes to dates. Yep. All right. Thanks so much. Uh, John, for helping us think through seven Christmas myths. Uh, Thanks for putting us in your earbuds today, whether you're listening in the car or on the rowing machine. We're glad that uh, you spent time with us today. Merry Christmas. May the peace of God with us, the Emmanuel, be yours this Christmas. And hopefully our time together today has helped make room in your life for the fear of God to reign.